I don't, I don't know what kind of uh, insecurity you had to push through to get here tonight, but I'm proud of you for getting here tonight. And uh, sometimes insecurity is that thing you got to push through because there's a, an insecurity that will keep you a yard from the finish line, and it just turns you back right at the time when, as a son or daughter of God, you got to get in there and get it. And uh, I'm proud of you for for what some of you uh, pushed through to get here tonight. God is going to meet you here. Um, I've got a word for you tonight called spit bitterness out. And you are going to like it, I think. I'm going to talk about something you won't like, and that's fasting. That's starting uh, January the 8th. Is that on Sunday? No. Monday. Okay. So Sunday, you drink and be merry, feast with your friends, and then Monday. Monday, starve some things so that God can feed some things in your life. Um, and also, I think that it's the timing of the fast is perfect for this um, uh, this little sermon tonight about bitterness because I want you to keep what God gives you tonight. So it's not just getting the victory, it's keeping the victory too. And so the disciplines of fasting, I think, um, not just fasting, because I'm going to give you some things tonight that you're not going to think are connected to fasting. Um, sometimes speaking certain words or refraining from speaking certain words or listening to certain words or speaking certain words in your heart over people can be a fast as well. And so uh, just keep your spirit open for that tonight. Lord Jesus, I, I just pray by the Holy Spirit that you would give me the words to break up uh, any hard hearts and bring hope back to the people in Jesus' name. Um, you can keep playing. Yeah, keep playing a little bit. What's up? Who was here in the third service and saw me hug Sean on stage? That was his best moment. That was his best moment of 2023, he told me. <laughs> Privately. <laughs> um, did you know? Did you know that our Lord Jesus hung on a cross? In a circumstance you can't imagine, having never deserved anything, of any of the things that happened to him. He hung on a cross and bled out and died without one ounce of bitterness inside of him. There was not an, an inch, not a millimeter, no bitterness inside of the son of suffering. And he was paying a, somebody else's ticket. He never did anything wrong. And he paid a price for you and had a spirit that was free of bitterness. Because bitterness doesn't come from God. Bitterness comes from the devil. A spirit of bitterness does not come from God. God is not bitter. Jesus is not bitter. And so uh, tonight you're going to have the opportunity to partake of communion. I think we might give you the last song, Fear is Not My Future, to get something in your heart right, even before prayer time maybe. So prayer team, just keep in mind, we might not do prayer till after that last song, maybe after this. But I don't want you to, I don't want you to take communion until you spit out the bitterness. Because even the blood of Christ will be tainted with bitterness if you won't give it up. And so, um, and I bled over this one tonight, so... Sometimes the sermons, um, I think you might be surprised at how I lead you through an issue, but sometimes what God does is he pushes me into the issue so that I can lead you out from the inside out. I grew up in a very healthy home, but sometimes he'll, he'll find somebody to push me into something that I don't particularly love being in, but to see it from the inside so that I can help you walk out from the inside of that. Um, are you ready? And I hate bleeding everybody, so I hope you appreciate this. Um, <laughs> I'm going to show you also how the Lord has freed me in the last couple of months from some bitterness that I have. There'll be two steps at the end that I want you to take. And some of you will take it. Most of you will take it. Some of you will not. And you'll remain bitter people. And um, that's on you. So, you know, a bitter spirit from the enemy is trying to make you into the person who originally hurt you. 
Why do you think they hurt you in the first place? Because they had bitterness inside of them. Bitterness can become a cruelty inside of you. And a self-centeredness, you would think, I would never become a person like that. If you have bitterness, you might, because they thought the same way that you thought. And then they got bitter about something, and then they brought the hurt to other people. Hebrews 12 says this, look after each other. It doesn't say look after yourselves. It says look after each other. So what this author is saying here by the Spirit is you are susceptible alone. And I'll tell you what you're susceptible to in a second here. But did you know that you are four times um, more likely to catch the flu isolated? Because when you're isolated, your immunity, isolation kills immunity. So the author is just bringing that to bear here. And he's saying in what follows next, isolation kills immunity. Community brings immunity. So you got to look after each other because you won't see it in yourself. So he says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. You're like, well, how can that be? I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Well, an entire nation of Israel that we're going to be reading about today didn't receive the grace of God. So um, you can die in the wilderness or you can go in the promised land. He's saying, the author's saying like, look, let's not be like our forefathers because we didn't look after each other and like stop this thing so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness. Can you just say that for me? Poisonous root of bitterness. Poisonous root of bitterness. So poison, bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So there's four key words in there. Poison. Bitterness, trouble, corruption. So those four words do not sound like they're from God. Do they? My daughter doesn't think that. She's had good training in my home. The rest of y'all are like, I don't know. That doesn't sound. It's like Sunday school, guys. The answer is always Jesus. Hey, who uh, rose from the dead? Jesus? Yes, it was Jesus. Okay. Now, how do I know if I'm, uh, if I'm bitter, Pastor? If you think often of people hurting you, if you're afraid of people hurting you, you probably have given place to a, a somewhat of a bitter spirit in your life. If you think of past hurts, it's a bitterness that's inside of you. If you think you can't because they, I would say it's a bitterness inside of you. If you contemplate a, uh, the possibility of people hurting you constantly, it's a spirit of bitterness. Thanks, Sean. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting that it says um, uh, poison, root of bitterness, causing trouble and corruption. So if it's causing corruption, that means, you know, if your computer gets corrupted, that means you can't trust it, right? So meaning it's bringing corruption into your life, which means that something inside of your heart can no longer be trusted because it has fallen under a different spirit. It has fallen under not a spirit of truth, but the spirit of the enemy and the spirit of the wicked one, the spirit of bitterness. So it's also, um, if you've ever noticed this about, about bitter people, have you ever met like an old bitter person? <laughs> I meet old bitter people sometimes and I'm like, man, what is up with that guy? You know, like... You literally, you got nothing but time. And some of these guys got money too. And I'm just like, they're just bitter and angry. And I'm like, I don't want to be like that. And I, I realized one day, because I'm super smart, I realized, I wonder what makes a bitter old person. And then I, I realized a bitter young person. <laughs> just give it time. And then the older you get, the more that bitterness starts coming out, out from inside of you. Now, the devil already has a bitter person. So he's already kind of got them. But the devil, misery loves company. So if you've got bitterness in your heart, he wants to use it to start making the people around you bitter so that it can cause trouble and bring trouble to many and corrupt many, right? So let me, um, God has healing for you tonight, but this is like Homer Simpson in the, when he got trapped in the vending machine. 
And they're like, Homer, this is never easy to say, but we're going to have to cut your arm off. And he goes, it'll grow back, right? And they're like, yeah. And then the guy says, are you just holding on to the pop can, Homer? So <laughs> bitterness is like you're just, uh, just hanging on to it and you're trapped in the vending machine. You just got to let it go. Um, <laughs> okay. Exodus chapter 15, then Moses... I didn't even start a timer here because I kind of forgot about that. I can't. Okay, I can see that. I can see my phone too. I got a timer here. I got timers everywhere. Okay. Um, Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the desert of Shur. So this is very soon after their deliverance from Egypt. Now it says Moses led. I don't think that you should confuse that because uh, later on, I think it's in Numbers, it says, it's not Moses leading. It's, it's the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. In all of their journeys, it said the pillar of fire would lift and the pillar of cloud would lift, and then it was time to move. So Moses is just like, it's moving, and then he was the first one out there, I guess. So he led them to, uh, in this desert for three days without finding any water. Well, that's uh, depressing. And sometimes you get to this place in your, your life where, like, I, like, I'm dying of thirst here. Like, I'm really thirsty. I'm not getting what I want out of this. And, um, and that we're stuck with this idea that God led them there. <laughs> right? When they came to the oasis at Mara, you know, they're like, just as soon as they get to this oasis, the, it says the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara. So I don't know if it was called Mara before. Like bitter. How's the water? I'll try it. Um, but they called it, they called it bitter. Um, so now they're stuck in a place. They've been three days without water. Um, and God led them to a bitter well. So God led them to a place where the water was bitter. So now they're dying of thirst and the only water to drink is bitter. So it's funny, Pastor Aaron was looking this up and she said, actually the water of the Nile River that they would have drank from in, in Egypt was sweet water. And so this is like doubly bitter to these guys now that they come out, even though they're still slaves there. Sometimes the water is sweet, but the uh, lash is tough. Um, when they came to, so, so it says, so here's the, here's the idea. God led a bitter people to bitter water to deal with their internal bitterness that they brought with them. So God brought, a bitter, God brought them to a bitter situation in your marriage whatever brings you to a bitter situation because the situation is not, it's not like God is causing the problems in your marriage. You did that, but it's like God leads you to a bitter situation where you're like, finally I have water and then it's bitter. And he does this to reveal the bitterness in you. That's the real problem. So now these people brought inner bitterness with them because they grew up in homes with bitter parents. So the bitterness that you feel right now in your life, it's probably didn't start there. It probably started in your home of origin somewhere or when you were younger. So we can't fix it now. We got to go back there to fix it, actually. So they grew up in bitter homes. This generation did not give up their bitterness and they ended up dying in the wilderness. Their sons and daughters decided to. So maybe if you don't hear the word of the Lord tonight and you want to hold on to your bitterness, maybe your kids over there will give it up and walk into the promised land if you don't want to. So we will have a youth generation that will lead them. That will be great. But I would love to see people kind of my generations. And, you know, I'm, I'm a young man still. 
I would love to see you get into the promised land. Then the people complained and turns against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. And Moses is like, I also don't have water. You know, it's always like, get mad at Moses. Um, where's all the water, Moses? He's like, I, do you see any water here? I'm thirsty. The water is bitter for me too. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And I'm like, I guess the people could have done that too. But I think if you have internal bitterness, I don't think you do. I don't think the first one you cry out to is the Lord anymore. I think you cry out at leaders. I think you cry out, we cry out at the people around us. We, because bitter people don't believe in miracles anymore. Bitter people don't believe that in one moment everything could change. Bitter people don't believe that God can supply for them when they're three days in the middle of the, of the wilderness and the water is bitter. And so it's a place we get to, even as a Christ follower, where we just stop asking God. So he cries out, and um, the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And you're like, I knew it. <laughs> and Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. Now, if we have any engineers in the house or scientists, like, you're, this is not going to be a good night for you. Because that doesn't make any sense. But it happened. And it's a miracle. Now, can I suggest this? That it's not like a random person in the congregation found a log and tossed it in there. Maybe they'd been trying. But it wasn't until, it says here very specifically, God showed Moses this log will somehow make the bitter water sweet. It's a sweet log. <laughs> so <laughs> it was there at, Mar at Mara that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. And he found that they weren't super faithful to him. Now, as faithful as you think that you are, the Bible says there is nobody who has not sinned and nobody who has been faithful to the Lord, not even one. That includes you. And that includes me. You might be more faithful than your neighbor, but your neighbor's an idiot. It's a bad comparison. <laughs> but compared to the Lord your God, when he leads you to the test of bitterness, it exposes unfaithfulness, not in Moses, but in you. And so keep this in mind here. I'm not setting myself up as the leader of the church as Moses. I'm just saying, like, this is a personal test of inward bitterness that God leads us to. So um, you know, if I'm if I'm God, I'm a little frustrated right now. Because I led the people out of here. I gave them a magic log. And I'm like, you know, you've been here for three days, you don't have any water. I've I just got you out of I just crushed Pharaoh's entire army and you're complaining because you have no water to drink. Did I run out of power? Did I use it all up on the Red Sea? I'm like, I've done enough water miracles. I just can't do anymore. <laughs> and I don't think that God loves drinking the people's bitterness very much. And I think when you get a taste of your own bitterness, I think it's just to remind you that the Lord doesn't really appreciate your bitterness either. As if the Lord hurts you or as if the Lord hasn't suffered alongside of you or as if the Lord can't possibly heal you. Now, um, after leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. 
And then they all apologized to Moses. <laughs> Y'all got to read your Bibles. That was a trick. Okay. Um, now, when you get bitter, what the, what, the, what the devil wants you to do, what the enemy is going to suggest to you is that you jump straight to an oasis with 70 palm trees and good water. He's going to be like, just change your job. You know what I'm saying? Just like, just teleport out of your family. Go get another one, another relationship that'll make you happy. Uh, another church. You know what I'm saying? Like, just like, just go, go, just teleport to this oasis because that's where the water is. But we're still stuck with this idea that you'll still be a bitter person over there, and it's not going to be a different story. So, but it's interesting that God used the magic log water to give them enough water and hydration to get them to the oasis. But they had to drink this water. There was no getting around this if they wanted to get there. So you still might have a, a slim, like a shimmering chance in your mind that God still wants more for you. But as long as bitterness is there, you have to, God has to turn this bitter water sweet before he can take you there. You can't just go straight there because you'll take all the bitterness with you. Now, when the water is bitter, everything tastes bitter. This is like when the Wi-Fi is not working. So that's the only thing I can compare it to. Or when your phone, you know, when Rogers went down for that entire day. You know how many times I picked up my phone? I'm like, I should. You know what I, you know what I should. So, but when the water is bitter and your entire society depends upon water and you're in the desert... But that's what bitterness does. Bitterness keeps you turned inwards on your desert, right? Bitterness is incredibly self-centered, everybody. So um, in our home, I don't want to tell the story on Pastor Aaron, but I've talked to her about it already. I do want to tell this. Do we have any moms in the house that have possibly made your kids drink rotten milk because you won't throw it out? So in the Cope home, so in the Cope home, what happens is, because that milk costs money, and Pastor Aaron is low maintenance, and she's like, Mom, this milk tastes funny. And she was like, it's fine, drink it. And we're like, but you haven't even smelled it. It's fine, drink it. And then she's like, it's fine, drink it. It's fine, drink it. So then I walk over there being the responsible dad, and I'm just like, Aaron, we can't make our children drink rotten milk. They're going to die. So we'll just go buy some more milk, right? So, Because so, rotten milk makes everything you put it in taste nasty, right? Bitterness makes everything around it and everything you mix in with it and everyone who mixes with you, it leaves a rotten taste in their mouth because it's rotten. It's de decomposing something. It's something you weren't made to drink. You weren't made to feed people. You weren't made to live in. God does not want his people to be bitter. And today it's time to let the bitterness go. Now, it starts as uh, probably as a child, I think, with drinking some poison. Really, your family situation is probably where it's going to go to you, for you maybe. Um, some insecurity, some rejection, um, some unconfessed sin, some secrets in your life, by the way. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about you. You're the bitter one. Yeah, but it's my wife's fault. I, I just said that. That means you're the bitter one. Everybody say amen. I'll keep going at it. Amen. If you keep blaming everybody else, it's you. 
You're the bitter one. Nothing can stop a person who has no bitterness in their heart and lives in the power of God. Nothing can stop them. Now, um, now, so I think here's what happens is that the, it says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So keep that in mind. The accuser of the brethren is the devil, right? But, but you shouldn't really care what the devil thinks about you, right? Guys, you guys, like I'm just, I'm literally teeing this up for you. I'm giving you a tennis racket here. Like, so nobody should care what the devil thinks because the devil's crazy. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. He tells you something, you're just like, you're the devil. I don't care what you think. So what he's got to do is he's got to get the brethren to accuse the brethren so they believe it. Or what he's got to do is he's got to suggest something to you that you say so that you drink the poison. If he just feeds it to you, you're going to be like, you're the devil. I'm not drinking that milk. But when he gives it to your dad when you're young and your dad speaks bitterness over you, when he gives it to you and you feed it to yourself, then you start living under the curse of, of bitterness. Bitterness is this. It's speaking the enemy's words, some of which may be true. It's rehearsing what the devil is trying to say to you and get you to rehearse. It doesn't matter that some of it's true. It doesn't matter that all of it's true. The devil tried to speak member temptation to Christ by speaking scripture to him. Everything he said was scripture. Jesus is like, it's a bitter spirit speaking. It doesn't work like that. You cannot have fresh water, the Bible says, and salt water out of the same well. So either it's bitter or it's not. It's tainted with bitterness or it's not. So um, I wonder how many of you rehearse the enemy's words. God didn't tell you that. You said it. You're the one saying it now. And it brings a curse because it's living under a spirit that's not the spirit of God. Now, um, so a few months ago, and I've shared little bits and pieces of this. Um, it's been happening for a while now, I think, just because of the trouble in our marriage with uh, Pastor Aaron and I. And I'm going to have her up on stage here because she has a revelation that she needs to share with you that I didn't really understand, but it was maybe in her experience that she, the Lord showed her this. Was um, I realized that after you go through some hard times and you go through, you pick up a lot of bitterness with you, and then after enough bitterness comes, you can't really remember the good times anymore. And I was thinking, like, how does this work? And uh, I don't know if you've seen Lord of the Rings or not. So there's the seeing stones that you can actually look into and see afar. But because one of the seeing stones was in the camp of the enemy, the enemy would actually turn it so you could still see far and you could still pick up this and you could still pick up that information. But he would turn it to what he wanted you to look at. And so he wouldn't show you the good things, the good troop movements. The, he would show you everything that he was up to. And I feel like that is really what happens when you get bitter is that you stop seeing all the good things and all you can see is the bad thing. And the enemy fixates you on that. And then what happens is courage bleeds out of you because bitterness bleeds courage and brings fear. So because, because when you bleed courage, you need courage to live in this lifetime. You need courage for healing. You need courage to know that you can go ahead and not back. 
But because you've bled courage and you've picked up a spirit of fear, what comes next is a spirit of anger, which is bitterness, because fear bleeds anger, uh, fear bleeds energy, and anger brings it. So you've got to replenish the well of energy inside of you. You know, ever meet a bitter person? They're very energetic about how bitter they are. Like they, they will tell you everything that that store clerk did and make up a bunch of stuff and tell you that too. But they are like fully into their story and it's like they're energized about this rather than just being afraid. So, so let me get to the hard part for me was we had tried to open up about some of what we had done um, and gone through, I, I should say, in our marriage. And it, it was down in the mud, guys. So it, was, uh, it wasn't pretty at all. And uh, where we found ourselves actually when we were planting the church here. And it's taken years to kind of just, just recover and just get out of that pit by the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. If God can do a miracle in our lives, uh, we're not favorite over you. So I want to give you some hope there. But over the time, I, I picked up kind of a, a bitterness about me. And um, this, this sense like, <clears throat> well, if only that, you know, if only all those years, if only, you know. And it was really bitterness against um, against my wife, and um, and I think Pastor Peter and Carolyn, when we were there, that's my that's our pastors. They were, were kind of picking up on that a little bit, and they're like, "Okay, we need to understand a little more of, of this. So, can you write out your story?" And um, and I didn't care for that. <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because Pastor Carolyn was like, "Like log what happened, each of you, and don't talk to each other." And I'm like, tell you what, why don't I just write both of ours? <laughs> yeah. But it's like when your pastor asks you to like log it down, you know, I'm like, look, we've tossed logs into that well, but it just stayed bitter. But this is a different log that God showed her, who's our direct line of authority in a kingdom. And she said, write it down. So I sweated for like days and then she took forever to do hers. And then we sent them. And then we sweated for another few days because she was busy or sick or something. And then we got a response back saying it was all Aaron's fault. (laughs) (laughs) It's how it was. Um. (laughs) It didn't work any other time that we tried to deal with it. And I tried to deal with it on, on, on my own and internally for a long time. And, um, and I have a lot of get up and go, and I have a lot of drive, and I've been taught well by good parents and good pastors, and forgiveness I get, but bitterness was something kind of new to me in that sense, and um, no other logs worked in that, but this one did, this one did, and I'm going to give you two steps at the end of this. Now, the purpose of the enemy's bitterness is for you to try to control your own rejection, I think, so to avoid hurt, you just build a wall. It's really a story. Kind of build a wall around you. But the trouble is, like, love can't get in there either. And so bitterness is what we build so that we have the illusion of safety. But don't ever mistake safety for love. Because love is very unsafe. If, if you can, if they can love you, they can hurt you. Like, there's just no getting around it, right? Like, you can't numb one thing and can't numb pain and keep love like no it doesn't it doesn't work like that you either freeze everything or it's all there and so um 
And then what, what bitterness does is it starts creating hoops for people in your life that Jesus himself couldn't jump through so that they prove their love to you, prove that they won't hurt you. So also here's what I would say. Jesus is not going to jump through any hoops for you to prove that he can be trusted. There's something about this that I really want you to understand is that when we start throwing bitter hoops at people and we're like, well, I'm going to test them. I'm going to become the test. I'm going to become the judge and the adjudicator of all this. I'm going to create these hoops. And if they don't do this in a certain way, they don't treat me in the right way. Or they don't treat me in the way that I made up. Then. So what you've basically done is you've basically taken a really low bar of unhealthiness. And then the only place that somebody can connect with you is if they connect with you down there. So if you're, if you're around healthy people, you're like, trade that unhealthy, trade that healthiness for this unhealthiness. And let's connect here, you know, but I don't know if you understand this about healthy people. They don't hang out with unhealthy people for very long because it's weird. Um, they're always the ones that get blamed for everything. You know, here's what happens when an unhealthy person and an unhealthy person have an argument. The healthy person gets accused of a bunch of stuff and then they go back and they're like, oh, maybe that's true. And they do take this little inward journey where the other person takes no inward journey at all. They just keep going to this, right? So even if this person is like right and innocent, it's still like this. Oh, I should probably check this out. So they go back, take it to the Lord, and like, is this right? Is this? But this person, so they come back, and they actually come back better. And this person comes back, and they're no better at all because they haven't taken the inward journey into Christ. And like, is this true, actually? Like, maybe am I even right about all of this? You know? And so um, that was for free. That wasn't in my notes, so I feel like somebody needed that. Um, and then what, what, what bitterness does is it creates um, an insecurity inside of you. And insecurity pulls away and demands that the other person fills that gap. Right. So insecurity is like a secure person is like, what can I do to connect this person more? An insecure person is like, what could you do to connect this person more? <laughs> Did you get that? So um, and then what happens is your whole world is seen through the eyes of bitterness and you stop seeing people as they are. You start seeing them as you are. You're not seeing the world as it is. You're not seeing people as they are. You're seeing them as you are. And to the bitter person, everybody is bitter and everybody's out to get them. But it's really projecting, I think, something that's going on in your own heart about this. Um, Nate Bargatze, that brilliant theologian. <laughs> He's a Christian comedian. He said, did you know that you can trick your own brain? Like in the same head. He goes, your own brain is in on it. He says, you can fake smile and the dumb part thinks it's a good day. That's why I told you to smile in the last sermon. I'm like, smile. It just tricked the dumb part. I think it's a good day. So he goes, it's like a conjoined twin throwing the other one a surprise birthday party. Like it's all going on in your own head. You know? We get to this place as Christ followers. They're just people who are like, I would never believe something that's completely untrue. Are you crazy? That's a crazy statement. Most of what you believe is untrue. You've never believed anything that's untrue and thought that you were right ever? What kind of crazy arrogance can trick itself, be super depressed because of your stupidity, and then five minutes later try to win an argument because you've never been wrong before? You're throwing your conjoint to win a birthday party that they had no idea was coming, you know? Pastor, and can you come up here? I just want to utilize you for a second here. She's like, oh, what am I walking into? I was going to make her team teach the whole thing because I didn't know if you were going to receive this or not. 
Are you receiving it? Okay. Are you clapping for her? Okay. Are you clapping for her? No. Whatever. Um, <laughs> um, then what happens is you are, you, what bitterness does is then you are open to what I call suggestions of accusation. Um, now, once again, the devil is the accuser of the brethren, so he needs, he, really he needs you to pick up the torch of that. He needs somebody to pick up the torch of that to get it into you because you're not going to eat it if the devil feeds it to you, but you will eat it if somebody close to you feeds it to you. You'll start believing it about yourself or you'll believe it about yourself if you pick it up and start speaking it. And so, um, so I, think, I think with me, um, what I noticed was that the bitterness, please lean in right now. The bitterness gave me selective memories. So I could only remember this, but I couldn't remember that. Then when I would see her, I could only remember this, but I couldn't remember any of the rest of it. So to the place where I'm like, I just want to leave the town. I just don't want to live in the house. I don't want to be there anymore. All I can remember is the other version. And so what I'm seeing today and tomorrow is really a very narrow version that in all honesty was not a great person. I will say it. However, God has done some amazing things. Now the other side, uh, now that for me was like a selective, a selective memory thing. Uh, Pastor Ern wants to talk to you about, um, oh, I will say that um, I want you to say that part there because you're the one who was teaching me about that. I will say that the enemy ran a rerun in my mind of past things that we dealt with. It just ran a rerun in my mind just over and over and over again. So it was like I was watching a video that was real. It felt real. Everything about it seemed real. Um, so, Pastor, why don't you just teach us about this last little part? So I haven't, like, totally processed this, but as we were kind of going through the sermon today, this is, I think, maybe what the Lord was showing me, that sometimes when we have bitterness, um, we'll start to speak and believe lies. Um, so like Pastor Corey was talking about from the enemy. And it starts to create false memories in our brain. And so what happens, um, it feels very real because you've laid it down there and you haven't shut it down. And so the more you rehearse that over and over, um, even if it's just a thought, like you're angry at someone and you start playing out a thought, like, well, maybe they're this, maybe they're this, maybe they're this. And it, it starts to lay like a foundation inside of our brains that, that actually, um, what was the word I used? I forgot. Oh, it, 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 but it feels, the emotion feels very real, even if we know it's not true because we've been rehearsing it over and over. And that's what bitterness does. We rehearse it over and over in our heads, the worst case things, the hurt, the pain. Um, sometimes parts of it are real, it's true, but a lot of times parts of it are just lies that we've made up, thinking the worst case things about someone, um, assuming things about what they're thinking, doing, whatever. So can I say, it's, it's, this is like watching a video that never happened. But it feels like it did. But you think that it did now. Because it feels like so that, that emotion is tied that to that happened, memory. But it didn't happen. So that memory is embedded in our brains, and the emotion is attached to it, so it feels very real when you think about that person or that scenario. Anyhow. So I would watch a rerun, and she would maybe watch a video that never happened. And so you can imagine the conflict that came out of that because... she would blame me for something that never actually happened. Like it never actually happened. And I would be like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. And I'm not lying or making stumbling up or hiding. I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about. But to her, it was real. 
that this is what I had done when the reality of it Sometimes was. Sometimes I, I think we let the pain create these false memories or these false thoughts in there. And we become obsessed with them and they lay a foundation for memories that didn't actually happen. But it starts to feel very, very real. And all the emotions attached to it feel very, very real. So you can imagine with that bitterness, whatever your relationship looks like will not make it through that. It will not come out the other side of that into anything other than blackmail and control. And so it, are you hearing me? The fact that we made it through this uh, and then through this next little bitter part here has been the grace of God. And I want to show you right now how to get through it. We tried a lot of things. And when I say we tried a lot of things, I mean we tried thousands of things that most people would have given up on a long time before, but nothing seemed to work except for this. And so, so um, this, you know what, I, I realized what happened when Pastor Carolyn asked us to do that. We'd never had pastors before while we were in ministry. So now we have a different relationship here and a different spiritual authority. Here. I don't think this can be dealt with in the four walls of your house. Like if you want to know how much effort we put into that, and if you think we're be you're better than we are, you're not. If you think you have more energy than I do, you don't. But I will tell you, it cannot be done because I don't think that God gives you the ability to do it. And I don't know why that is other than he doesn't. And I don't care. I just want to win, right? So, so now we have pastors because we tried it here and we tried it with this counselor and with that pastor. And it never seemed to work. But all of a sudden we have pastors that are over us now in the spiritual authority realm that God gave you. God showed us the log to toss in the well. And then all of a sudden it worked. And I was nervous as heck about this. I'm like, every time we've done this, we just about didn't come out. There was no part of him that wanted to do this. No part of me wanted to do this. I'm just like, we have tried this so many times and we could lose everything, you know? And so that's really the fear that I was dealing with. So, but you know, what we had to do is I had to write this, you know, my side of the story, she had to write her side of the story. I should have read yours to see if it was true. <laughs> And you have to risk it. You have to give it to them, and they, you have to let them tell you if your story's full of crap. And that's hard to do, because a story is the thing that helped you survive it. But you have to just throw it out there and see what happens. You have to risk it all and just be like, okay, we're going to toss this well, log in there, and we're going to see. Because what's, what's happening right now is not uh, tenable for very long. And, um, yeah. And... Uh, so spiritual authority, ready, has the position and the power to change your heart. It's just a kingdom thing that God wants. So, and I'll show you what to do here in just a sec. Ezekiel 36, God says, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. This is what we, I've been praying every day. God, give us new hearts. Put a new spirit in us. Take out this stony, stubborn heart and give us a tender, responsive heart. So uh, I want these words to pull some stones out of your life and break up that fallow ground of like hopelessness. I want to water the soil. I want to get it to a place where like, let's tenderize it a little bit. Let's risk something and let's get some of these stones of bitterness out of there. So, so step one, I think is this, every lie has to be replaced with the truth. This is a practical thing. I have to give you something to do. It's not just going to be God. Every lie has to be replaced with the truth. When you have an argument, if you say something, here's what a lie is, something that's not true. Anything that's not 100% completely true. It's called lying. Like, I hate to say it, but that's what lying actually is. I don't care if you believe it. I don't care if you think it. I don't care if you feel it. If it's not 100% absolutely true, 
it's a lie. If it's done in bitterness, it's still a lie. Because it's the spirit of the enemy. It's not the spirit of God. You have to unwind every lie, which means you've got to go back into every argument and be like, I said every contact I had with you today was negative. That's not true. You're like, oh, apologies suck. They do. You should try them. <laughs> it is the only way to unwind. Every lie that's in there is like a root of bitterness springing up, causing trouble and corrupting you. You got to go back in there and be like, I said this, that's not true. I said this, that's not true. I said this in that way that made it not true. Um, so that's one thing. Um, it's humiliating, but it works. It brings us humility and God has something to work with in our lives. Yeah. Here's what I want to say. If you're a bitter person, you will never properly troubleshoot a problem. Ever. Amen, pastor. I can just feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit on it. Um, but you think that you will. Why? Because it says you've fallen short of the grace of God. So people without the grace of God don't have revelation from God. God is not right. speaking to you. So, okay. So replace every lie with the truth. Um, and Philippians tells us this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true. Unpin them from those crazy things. Fix them on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Pin them to that. Nail them to that. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Stop thinking about all that other stuff. Turn your eyes to what God is doing. And then you start speaking scriptures over the situation, scriptures over your spouse, scriptures over your friends like, Aaron can do all things through Christ who gives her strength today. Thank you, God. Uh, greater is, are you that is in Aaron than in he that is in the world. In the name of Jesus, you start praying scripture. Then the, the step two that we would like you to do tonight as well, and in this last song, come on up, worship, is to bring the bitterness under the correct spiritual authority. Now, this is not like I have a friend who thinks that they're good at this. Um, that is not how spiritual authority works. God sets members in the body of Christ. And so I'm just going to just quickly show you. So tonight, what would work as spiritual authority would be the prayer team that God has given us the responsibility for the house. So the prayer team is under our authority for this thing tonight. This wouldn't work like this every night in that sense. The prayer team does have authority, but in this particular thing, you need the spiritual. Moses has to show you the log, right? So spiritual authority, your small group leader, your team lead. That would be who I would direct you to, or an elder of the church, like Sean and Nassir, mom and dad, obviously. Um, so you got to bring the bitterness under. You have to admit, like, I'm bitter. I need this thing out of my life. I need somebody else to, listen, can you rebuke a spirit of bitterness that's a stronghold in your life that you maybe picked up from your parents and their parents? Like, it's a stronghold. You probably don't have the authority. Well, I can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Careful what you go after. Because God has given some the spiritual authority to do this and some people he hasn't, right? So if you have no victory in this area, why do you think you have authority in this area? So get somebody who's got victory in this, who God has actually given the authority to deal with this thing in your life. You don't want two-year-old Christians who are like not good. You know what I'm saying? Like two-year-old bitterness going on here that you think that you can deal with. You've, if you could have dealt with it, would you not have dealt with it already? It doesn't work like that. I tried it forever. Okay. Um, I don't think it can be dealt with in the, in the four walls of your house. I think that families fail because of that. And uh, some of you, I think, let's, let's just sing um, Fear is Not My Future. And I want to give you a song to respond, and then let's get you prayed for, okay? So we have communion under the chairs right now. I'm not going to go into that. I don't want you to take the communion until you spit out the bitterness, though. So I want you to deal with the bitterness first. I think you can deal with a bit of it in your chair, but if it's like a spirit of bitterness like I've been talking about, 
you can leave here with it or you can go and get prayed for because it takes that spiritual authority to get that out of you and to call that out of you and to get the spirit of God back in there, right? So I would suggest even just leave your communion here and partake of it after you get prayed for. That's what I would suggest if this is uh, something that God is speaking to you. So, okay, let's, let's come and just open up our hearts to worship here because fear is at the, uh, the bottom of all of this and God wants to deal with that too.